0: If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. All right, morning guys. Today we are back in Psalm 103 and our message title today is The Lord, a beautiful picture. Psalm 103, and um, if I asked you to list some things that you appreciate, what would you list? What would you say? Some some people, if they were answering that question, they would say, I, I appreciate good art. Just, just when an artist knows what they're doing, I just, I really appreciate the, the beauty of what they create and produce. Some people, they just, they appreciate a phone call from a friend, just an intentional call, an intentional check-in to see how you're doing. Some people, they appreciate a nice date that the person put thought into it and that it's a good time together. Some of us, it's a good movie that we appreciate or there's a mentor in our life that we really appreciate. If you're like me, you enjoy summer nights in the city, just, just walking and enjoying the busyness. Or maybe you enjoy and appreciate a good barbecue or a good album. You know, The Miss Education of Lauryn Hill, one of those albums that you put on and you just kind of let it run from, from beginning to beginning right to end kim this week she was leaving for work and and she just turned to me and she said you know marv some people just appreciate being appreciated some people just appreciate being appreciated that that word appreciate means to recognize how good someone is or something it's and it's val and value him or or, or her or it i'll read that again but, is to recognize how good someone or something is and value him, her, or it. And in verses six to four, 14, David is going to show us just how good God is. What he does for us is he paints a portrait. He gives us a portrait of the Lord to help us appreciate the Lord. He gives a portrait of the Lord to help us appreciate the Lord. And because sometimes... We actually don't appreciate God the way that we should. Our appreciation for God is not where it should be. And you may be wondering, what's the the benefit of appreciating God? How do I benefit? Well, when we appreciate the Lord, it helps us to live for the Lord. When I appreciate God, it helps me to love and live for Him. Look at verses 6 to 14. It says, the Lord works righteousness and justice... For all who are oppressed, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love of the Lord towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father sh- shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are thus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that this passage is going to show us your nature, your character, who you are, and the way you treat those who belong to you. I pray, Father, that you would give grace, Lord, as we listen, as we watch on a screen, and uh, that your grace given to us would help us to appreciate you. It would take us to a spot where we love you for who you are, for your character, for your goodness. And God, I pray it would help us walk more faithfully with you every day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's the the first thing I want to show you from this passage. The Lord reveals his ways to us. The Lord reveals his ways to us. Verse six says, The Lord works righteousness uh, and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The the reality of this world is that this is not an easy world to live in. There's there's people who have power and sometimes the people who use that power who have that power they use it to oppress people they 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 abuse the power spiritual leaders do this parents sometimes do this political leaders do this employers they do this they they have power and they 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 abuse that power and notice uh, that this does not go unnoticed by God David says that he works righteousness that that means that God what he does is he he makes right decisions for all those who are oppressed. And that word oppressed, what it's doing is it's actually talking and referring back to the people of Israel when they were in slavery in Egypt. And God knew what they were going through. Exodus 3 says, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. God's like, I hear and I see their affliction. I know what is going on, I know their sufferings, and watch, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. God God is aware and he and he's not detached from the struggles of his people. He says, I know what is going on and he comes to help. And when we think about our our, our struggles or the way we see people being oppressed in our world today, we, this text tells us that even though we don't know exactly when the help will come from God, it is going to come. He is going to help and that's why it says he works, justice he works justice it says in the text and that is talking about the the judgment when you when you read the exodus story it's that's talking about the judgment that God brings on Pharaoh and on the people of Egypt for the way they sinfully treated his people see God sees every act of injustice that takes place in the world he sees every single one of them and and he his Judgment on Pharaoh tells us and teaches us that he is committed to justice. That he is going to, at some point, bring out, uh, execute justice on all those who oppress his people. God is going to right all of the wrongs that we see in our world because this is who he is. And the word acts in the text says, He has made known his ways to Moses, verse seven, his acts to the people of Israel. That word is speaking about what God did for the people of Israel as they were going through their journey in the wilderness. Again, we have to look back a little further in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8 says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that that he might humble you, doing what? testing to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that that man does not live by bread alone. God is teaching them. He's like, I want you to know some things, but that man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your, your, your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as, as man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. God was being a good father to them. And he, he did what was necessary to help them grow and mature. That, that God is after that in his people. And you may have noticed a phrase in that, in that Deuteronomy passage where it says that to, to know what was in your heart. And that might make you think that did, did God not know? No, no, God knew what was in their heart. The, the problem is is the people didn't know. They didn't know what was there. and so God does what is necessary, allows things to come to show them what was going on in their heart, what they needed to know. This is his loving discipline. and and he did that back then, and this is the what he does for us now, Hebrews. Hebrews 12 says, Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. You see that? He disciplines the one he loves. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children. If, if the discipline of the Lord is not in your life, that is a bad sign. He disciplines us for our good that we may share in His holiness. Watch this. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. The discipline of the Lord is loving. Loving because it shows us where we need to grow still when we when we go through times of testing our we are our, where we are in our faith is revealed to us where we still need to grow is shown the discipline of the Lord matures us it helps us to grow it builds character and conviction in us and it also tells us that we're in the family of God see God is not just watching us he is. Also working in us and around us. And David is showing here us that that this is how God operates, that He rights wrongs done to His people, He provides for His people to help them grow in their faith. He is a good father. Verse 8 to 9 says. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. There's four things we're told in verse 8 about God. First, we're told that he is merciful. Then we're told that he is gracious. Then we're told that he is slow to anger, that he is abounding in love. And when you consider all of the sin, when when you've read the Old Testament up to the point of where you get to the Psalms, that when you consider all the sin that you've seen in the people of Israel, this would have been music to their ears. And this description of God should be music to our ears because this description, what it does is it tells us about God's nature. It tells us about the way he deals with sinful people. It tells us how he deals with us in verse Nine also is full of good news. It says that he will not always chide. That, that means God will not always continue to dispute with his people over sin. The word keep, it means to guard. It means to hold on to something. What this text is telling us is that God does not hold on to anger. Now, there are some people who, they, they struggle with the idea of, that, of God being angry. The Christian, some Christians struggle with this idea and and, and non-Christians struggle with this idea that, that, that God could be angry. But my good friend, Steve Rosema, he, he shared, he wrote something and shared it with me that I think is helpful. I've shared this before in our church, but I'll share it again. And he wrote, he said this, we live in a society where it's impolite, even intolerable to speak of the wrath of God coming upon mankind. It is simply another topic to be swept under the rug in our, disre- uh, in our disregard of uncomfortable truth. However, we as Christians must understand that God's wrath is not a defect in God's character, but a necessary outworking of His perfections of justice, goodness, and love. God's perfections and God's wrath are two sides of the same coin, God delights in himself as the fullness of justice, goodness, and love, and is therefore, watch this, angered when those created to image him wreak havoc on the world and on themselves by turning from his justice to injustice, from his goodness to evil, from his love to hate. God is not apathetic towards the evils of this world, but has dealt with them in Christ, we are faced with the choice we bear the uh, the choice with a choice bear the wrath of god ourselves or trust the one who bears them in our place god is angry at sin because it harms his creation god gets angry at sin because it when we engage in it it harms us and it harms others and verse 10, says, verse ten says, "He does not deal with us according uh, according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities." the The word sin is described as missing the mark. It's to when we sin, when we choose to sin, we are missing the mark of God's standard for living. And and some of the things I want to share, some of the things that. Cause us to sin. Some of the things that cause us to sin. Here's one: impatience. Some of the things we we miss the mark sometimes because we're flat out impatient. There's a there's a track out right now. It's called Adidas, and in it the the the, the rap artist he says one of the reasons why he chooses to sell crack is that because the nine to five check takes too long to come. That's just impatience. And what we need to think about here is that one of the ways we can defeat sin in our life is to practice patience. We need to wait patiently for the Lord to give us pleasure and not go looking for it in in some unhealthy uh, and sinful ways. We need to be patient with that child that is challenging sometimes. We need to wait patiently for the Lord to provide us with a believer to, to date and spend our life with. See, see sin, what it is, is taking matters into our own hands. Patience is trusting God who has the best plan. When I sin, I am taking matters into my own hands. Psalm 36 also speaks of some of the reasons why we choose to sin. It, it, it tells us that sometimes we just don't fear the Lord. There's no fear of God in our life. There's, there's, there's also being deceived by sin. Sometimes we sin, we we're just, sin deceives us. You see this, if you read in Joshua 7, Achan, in his sin, he is deceived. He thinks that he can sin and not get caught and not be found out. And sometimes we sin because we just simply plan to do it. We, we just make a plan, we, Psalms 36 says, we contemplate wickedness on our bed and then we go out and and do it. See. Sin is not something for us to take lightly. Sin is not our friend. Sin is like a lion that will eat us alive. And so let's be a church that is committed to not play games with sin. Because when we when we resist sin, when we don't play games with sin, we are protecting ourselves. We are protecting our relationships. We're protecting our church. We're protecting our witness in The community. And even though we sin, God treats us with grace. There's words in verse 10 that point to that. The word deal and the word repay tells us that God does not give us what we deserve. Donald Williams says, if God gave us what we deserve, we would all perish. For example, in Exodus, in the Exodus, Israel, along with Egypt, should have lost her firstborn. But God provided a substitute in the Passover lamb. Therefore, He did not deal with His people according to their sins. the The, the people were just as sinful as everyone else around them. But God provides this Passover lamb that they 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 look to. And that Passover lamb points to our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who God provided for all people. And that's why when John the Baptist sees him, he says, "There, here is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that brings us to point number two, the Lord removes our sin from us. The Lord he reveals His ways to us, and He removes his, our sin from us. See, our sins are gone. And they're gone because they've been placed on Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, which we talked about on Good Friday, says the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And God does all of this for those who fear Him. Those who believe He is who He says He is, those who believe He will do what He promises to do, those who have a respect and in reverence and an awe for God, He does this for them. Verse 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us, Alan Ross says, in forgiving us, God completely removes our sin as far as the East is from the West. People need to be assured that, that, that when they repent and confess to the Lord, the forgiveness they are given is complete. When we, when we confess, the forgiveness we're given, do you hear that, is complete. And watch this, God will never bring up those sins again. They're gone, and this speaks to us in a few ways. It speaks to the person who's struggling with shame. The person who's struggling with shame about their past. You need to know, you need to let that go because God has let it go. It says that that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is not condemning you, so you need to stop condemning yourself. It speaks to the person who's struggling with shame. And there's a word here for the non Christian living with shame. You need to understand that if you come to the Lord, if you believe the gospel, and if you come in repentance and faith, God is not not going to shame you. He's going to forgive you, He's going to love you, and He's going to start a work of change in your life. Your sin will be removed from you if you trust in Christ. Here's another way this speaks. If God doesn't bring up the past sins of other people, then neither should we. If God never brings it up again, then, and he, he leaves it in the past, then we should leave it there as well. See, sometimes we bring up people's sins because we wanna shame them. Sometimes we bring up their past sins because we want to hurt them. Sometimes we bring up their past sins because we have not truly forgiven them. But when we do that, that is cold, it's harsh. It's the opposite of the way we are to behave as Christians. And the person who is living uh, in unconfessed sin, this speaks to you as well. The Christian and the non-Christian living in unconfessed sin, you need to understand that grace is available and now is the time to receive it. When we confess, when we repent, when we come to the Lord, He gives us grace. See, unconfessed sin weighs on us. It weighs on us because we, we feel the guilt of it. We walk around wondering, am I going to get caught at some point? We, we have to go through all this effort to cover it up. But when we come to the Lord and confess it, when we come to each other, as the Bible says, that we have to confess our sins to one another. When we do that, then the weight comes off. Grace is available and we can receive it as we come in confession and repentance. David giving is giving us a, a nice a nice picture of God. And in verse 13 to 14, he completes the picture. He says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Here's the final thing I want to show you. The Lord shows compassion to us. He shows compassion to us. The word compassion, you'll, if you know it, if you're looking closely, it's used twice here. And it speaks of the tender love and care that a parent gives to a child. And the, the words frame and dust, what those are doing is they're, they're pointing back to Genesis 2, verse seven, where it says that God formed the man from the dust. See, we have a creator and our creator, he knows, he has intimate knowledge about us. God knows things about us that we, that we don't even know. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And the word dust, what that word does is it reminds us that we are are frail, that we are weak. And we we feel our weakness, we feel our frailty every day. We see it all around us. We see people who they we get sick so easily. It's 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 easy for us to give in to, to temptation. Our flesh is so weak. We face decisions that are that are confusing. I've talked to some of you this week, and I know. Uh, As we spoke over the phone, I can hear in your voice that you're confused. The decision in front of you is hard. It's not an easy thing. And you feel your weakness. Things happen that make us feel powerless. And God knows these things. He knows we are weak. And so he responds with compassion. He responds to his children with compassion. And we see his compassion. Do you know how we see his compassion? We see his compassion in the things that he gives us. We see his compassion in what he has given us. He has given us his word. He has given us his word that when we when we when we open the scriptures and read and discipline ourselves, it equips us for living. And I'm always trying to encourage us as a church to get in the word because you will be equipped. Psalm 19 says that 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 the word makes wise the simple. Uh, Psalm. The word protects us from sin. Psalm 119 says, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It equips us for living. It helps us to not sin. God has provided us with our His whole, the Holy Spirit who helps us to live in gospel freedom. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not, you will not, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We can defeat sin. We can live in gospel freedom and gospel victory. We have access to God in prayer. We have an outlet to share our hopes. We have an outlet to share our hurts. Sometimes we're, we just need to cry out to God and say, I'm hurting in this way. We have an outlet to share our fears, the things that are concerning us. Hebrews 4:16 says, says we can draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. He's given access in prayer. He's given us our church to support one another, to serve each other, to encourage each other, to reach out to the unbeliever, to be a good source of witness and a good presence in our community Romans 12 says that we are to love that our, let our love be genuine that we are to weep with those who weep that we are to love one another with brotherly affection that we are to contribute to the needs of the saints that we are to show hospitality that we're we're that when we can when we get back to this ability to be together that we're to invite each other in into our lives that we are to associate with the lowly and that we're not supposed to be self-righteous and standoffish to certain people, that we are to bless those who persecute us. And as we do these things, God works through us to strengthen, to help us in our weakness, to help us to, to strengthen us in our faith. David here gives us a portrait of the Lord, all to help us appreciate the Lord. And remember that definition, to appreciate means to recognize how good someone or something is and value him or him, her, or it. To recognize how good someone is. And this text shows us just how good God is and why he is worthy of our praise at all times. And if you agree with me, I want you to say, the Lord is let's pray. Father, we thank you that you truly are good. And we thank you, Lord God, that your word has shown that to us as we have looked at these verses in Psalm 103, at your nature, your character, who you are, and what you mean to us and what you do for us. Father, we we rest today in your goodness. We rest today, Lord God, knowing that you treat us in ways that we don't deserve, that you treat us with compassion, that you are a father who is intimately involved in our life. We pray, Lord God, that we would not lose hope in these realities, that you are not far away and detached, but you are intimately involved, that you are, you are walking with us, you're carrying us at all times. God, you are a good father. Help us to look at Psalm 103, even as this week Uh, goes along and be reminded of these realities of you. This beautiful portrait that we have that helps us to appreciate you, that helps us to be able to live for you and love you. God, thank you that you love us more than we know. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.